If a father knows his identity, his family will reach its destiny. Discover how to become the man, the father, and the leader that God has called and destined you to be. The Fathers of St. Joseph is an apostolate that works for the restoration, redemption, and revitalization of authentic fatherhood, whose aim is to assist each father to become who God has called them to be. Like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the Father in heaven. To rediscover and recover the glory, power, and necessity of the vocation of fatherhood, access key resources at fathersofstjoseph.org. last couple years, we just celebrated our second year anniversary as Fathers of St. Joseph. And I've been doing some traveling recently, giving talks in different areas of the United States. And one thing that I've really discovered is that there's a deep hunger for the truth of fatherhood. There's a deep hunger for the theology of fatherhood. And while that's good, what I've realized is that in this hunger, I've actually failed to really communicate to all of you what the Fathers of St. Joseph's spirituality really is. So that's what I want to try to start doing today and next week, is to convey the spirituality of the Fathers of St. Joseph, what we're really all about, what really lies at the foundation of who we are. Now, it might sound weird or even a little bit odd to ask the question, what does it mean to be a man? I mean, it's not like we men just sit around and think about what does it mean to be a man? But if I had to ask you, if I gave you one minute to come up with a one sentence definition of what it means to be a man, could you do it? Think about it, don't respond, but what does it really mean to be a man? What does it mean to be an authentic man? If we reflect upon this seriously, we realize that is being a man just merely having male attributes? That means that every male is a man, and we know that that's not true. So just having male attributes does not mean that we're a man. Our body reveals our spiritual realities, right? We've talked about this before. And so our bodies as men, they're different than women, right? I don't know if you guys have noticed this, that our bodies are different than women. If you haven't, we've got another class for that, okay? <laughs> but our bodies indicate a deeper spiritual reality. Our bodies indicate that we as men are called to go forth from ourselves. We're called to be generators. We're called to be initiators of God's self-giving love. And if we don't initiate this self-giving love, who will? Well, Adam, the first man, he was called to be an icon of God the Father. He was called to be a generator, an initiator of self-giving love. He was called to lay down his life for Eve and protect her from the serpent, from Satan. He had glory, power, and honor, all this given to him. He had domain over the garden. And yet, he allowed the serpent to enter and have his way with Eve. And therefore, not only Eve fell from the temp to the temptation, but so did Adam. And shortly after that temptation, after that fall from grace, God asks the words, where are you? Where are you? This is in Genesis 3. And so God asks the question of Adam, where are you? Not to obtain an answer for himself. He knew where Adam was, but so that Adam would obtain an answer about himself. God was not concerned with Adam's geographical position. God was concerned with Adam's theological position, where he was in relationship to God and where he was in relationship to man. And this is very important. The true man, the true man is always indicated by how he lives in relationship to woman. The true man is indicated by how he lives in relationship to woman. Notice Adam failed in defending woman. 
right? And so we would say, well, was Adam really the true man? No, he fell from grace. And so God asks this question, where are you? He wants to know, he wants to set Adam on a mission to discover who he really is called to be or who he was called to be, what his real mission was. Okay, and as a society, I think we kind of have this fixation on where we're at, you know, GPSs and all that, you know, on our phones, we've got GPSs. We, we want to know where we're at, but why? Because we want to know where we're at in relationship to the world around us, to the people around us, but also to know our destiny. And it's like that in the spiritual world. We need to know as men what our theological position is in the plan of salvation, where God has positioned us in the plan of salvation in order to know and really understand our relationship to our neighbor and ultimately our relationship to God and how to get to our destiny. So God asks each and every one of us, where are you? Where are you? And this question really haunts the deep recesses of our subconscious soul. We need to know where we are. We need to know our theological position in the plan of salvation because if we don't, the world falls apart around us. So the answer to this question where we are determines our location in God's divine plan for salvation. It determines our vocation, how we live that out, and it determines whether or not we're real men. And not only that, but it also determines the foundation of the spirituality of the fathers of St. Joseph. So to understand our position in in God's plan of salvation, we need to back up a little bit and talk about God, his identity, and our identity. God is three in one. God is three distinct persons, yet essentially one. So God has three main attributes, distinction, unity, and fruitfulness. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, yet they're so self-giving that they are eternally and essentially one. And out of that eternal oneness, there is fruitfulness, there is life. Now you've got the Father and you've got the Son. Okay, and this is diagram one at the top of the page. You've got the Father and you've got the Son. And out of their unity, you have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of that union, which is, as St. Maximilian Kolbe says, the eternal immaculate conception, the Holy Spirit. So you've got unity, distinction, unity, and fruitfulness. Now, God created man and woman in the beginning to image this uncreated order of love. So he created Adam and Eve, and they created them to long for one another so that when they would come together, they would procreate and create a third, and then their love would be Trinitarian. And notice they were in a sinless, preternatural state. If Adam and Eve came together and had the third in a sinless, preternatural state, that's not supernatural, they weren't God, but it's not natural, that's not beasts, it's where we need to be at, where we were at before the fall, they would have imaged the Trinity. And from that point on, the preternatural gifts of the Trinity, of the uncreated order of love, would have been transmitted through Adam and Eve and through the whole human race. But notice, Adam didn't take his theological position as icon of God the Father. He did not unite himself with Eve. And therefore, what happened was the serpent entered just at that moment. Before Adam and Eve would conceive the third, the serpent enters the garden, and what do they do? They conceive in sin, blame, shame, guilt, death. So the point is, is that the transmission of the very uncreated order of God's love is hindered. That transmission is hindered in humanity. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. In the fullness of time, at the end of a heritage of faithless men, God called a man from among men, he singled out the forerunner of fidelity, St. Joseph, to be the guardian of the sinless virgin, 
to be the guardian of her garden. And initially, as we've said before, Joseph fled out of fear of the holiness of Mary and what was taking place in her, but he heroically retraced his steps to take up his post as icon of God the Father, as generator and initiator of self-giving love. And it was by their union of two wills, their, their gift to one another and their union of wills with God, that they were able to draw down the very word made flesh. And so then they become an icon of the Trinity. And by virtue of Joseph and Mary's union, every family on earth now can transmit this uncreated order of love in the Trinity. This quote from Pope John Paul II, I think sums it up. He says, the marriage of Mary and Joseph conceals within itself at the same time, the mystery of the perfect communion of persons the perfect communion of persons, of the man and the woman in the conjugal pact, and also in that mystery of the singular continence, that is, celibacy for the kingdom of heaven, a continence that served in history of salvation, the most perfect fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit. So what Pope John Paul II is saying is that Mary and Joseph, by their union of wills, they actually had a third, the word incarnate, and they became an icon of Trinity. And because of them, the human relationship of the family can launch us to the eternal relationship of the Trinity, okay? The uncreated order of love that is, is in the Trinity is now expressed through the human family. So, what does this mean for us? How do we make the theological practical? Adam's position, where Adam failed, Joseph regained his position as kustos, initiator, generator of self-giving love. He set the pace of self-giving love. But it's not only Joseph's position. This is our position in the cosmos. This is our position in God's divine plan. And everything hinges on whether or not we assume this position and we love women rightly and we bear the fruit of our children in holiness. Everything stands on this. We've all been like Adam. We've all neglected and faulted at our post to be the kustos, the generator, the initiator of self-giving love. And some of us, we've even been like St. Joseph, where we've maybe fled out of fear. But we need to be like St. Joseph and retrace our steps and retake this position as kustos, as icon of God the Father. So Satan tries to lure us from this position. And how does he do this? Well, first and foremost, through sexual resentment of our bride. A lot of times we have sexual friction and sexual frustrations in our marriage. And what we do is we, we tend to resent our wives and that resentment builds. And then what we do is we internally abandon them. Or what we do is we find an outlet. And so we fault at our post and Satan lures us away from being that kusos, the defender of woman. Sometimes we can be afraid to lead. We may not... Um, take up our charitable authority. And a, and a defining factor of this is, are you leading your family in prayer? Do you lead your family in prayer at the dinner table? Do you lead your family in prayer before bedtime? Do you bless your children? This is an indicator whether or not we have been lured away from our leadership, our role of leadership, our charitable authority as kustos and initiator of self-giving love. Another way is Satan tries to get us to demean our wives, especially in front of our children or maybe even to manipulate them me mentally or to control them. And so we need to avoid all these things and we need to rather put on the mind of Christ and to lay down our lives for our brides even when it hurts. And St. Peter says, and I, I think this is very interesting, he says we need to act kindly and gently toward our brides, right? 
the weaker vessel, he says, and most people get stuck right there on the weaker vessel. But he says the reason is, is because if we don't, our prayers will be hindered. So we don't want our prayers hindered. We want to live in relationship with women rightly. But we don't want to be a doormat either. We're all called to lead. And if no one leads, no one will follow. And it's up to us men to lead our family to holiness, to righteousness. And our families need us. Our children need us. The world is falling apart out there. God needs you. God needs you to father because your children need the heavenly father. If we're divorced, what we need to do is overcome the resentment of the other, of our ex-wife, and we need to love her so that we can love the children, so that children don't see that bitterness in our heart, so they can understand the truth of a man's role as having charitable authority. So, as fathers of St. Joseph, we're called to answer that question, where are you? Where are you? And as fathers of St. Joseph, we assume that theological position that Adam faulted at, but Joseph responded to, this is our position. And if we do this, we become the kustos, the defender not only of our wives, of our family, of woman, but of the world, of the church. And this is no exact exaggeration. Salvation history depends upon whether you or I, whether we actually assume this theological position, and we become generators and initiators of self-giving love. This is the foundation of our spirituality of the fathers of St. Joseph, this theological position in God's plan. And our four pillars, which I'm going to talk about next time, are built upon this foundation. So to accomplish this, to assume our theological position in the cosmos, in the universal plan of God, we've got to go to St. Joseph. We've got to entrust our lives to him. As St. Teresa of Avila says, no one who's ever gone to him has been turned away. He obtains all things for us. And so we need to go to him and look at Jesus Christ entrusted himself as a child to Joseph. And Jesus Christ became the ultimate new Adam who set the pace of self-giving love for his bride so much that the bride still 2,000 years later is set following that pace all the way to following Jesus to Calvary so they can have eternal life with him. So if we follow Jesus' example, we need to entrust ourselves to St. Joseph, and by entrusting ourselves to St. Joseph, he will obtain with Mary the redemptive grace for us to be true men, for us to assume our theological position in God's divine plan, and to actually become the men that our family need us to be. Amen? Amen. If a father knows his identity, his family will reach its destiny. Discover how to become the man, the father, and the leader that God has called and destined you to be. The Fathers of St. Joseph is an apostolate that works for the restoration, redemption, and revitalization of authentic fatherhood, whose aim is to assist each father to become who God has called them to be, like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the Father in heaven. To rediscover and recover the glory, power, and necessity of the vocation of fatherhood, access key resources at fathersofstjoseph.org.